All right, guys, before we get started today, a big thank you to our partner, Microsoft Surface, celebrating 10 years of partnership with the NFL. As the official laptop, tablet, and sideline technology provider for the LA Chargers, Microsoft Surface provides players and coaches with the tools to succeed both on and off the field every day. Learn more about Surface at Surface.com. And welcome into the final drive where the Chargers escape with a 2017 win in Atlanta over the Falcons. As always, joined by Haley Elwood and Eric Smith. And Eric, you know what? You came up to me before the game in the press box. You said the game's going to be 2017 Chargers. So I figured right I off the ramp, let's, let's get you your props, dude. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it, yeah. Um, I kind of knew it wasn't going to be like overly high scoring. Just because, like, the Falcons' offense, while, like, they, they obviously like to run the ball, so they're not going to put up, you know, 50. And we're not going to put up 50, considering who we have playing and, how, and who's out and all that. So, yeah, I just figured it would kind of be a grinded-out game, and uh, I guess I got lucky on that one. There you go. Chargers improved to 5-3. and three. So much to discuss in this game, from the Austin no touchdown to the double fumble. I think Haley just coined that. I, I mean, that was something. We'll get into that, but I think the lead of this game was guys stepping up in the absence of starters and pro bowlers, frankly. Um, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams not in this game. Joshua Palmer, 8 for 106. He had that 22-yard reception to set up the game winner from Cameron Dicker. And Haley, you're the perfect person to talk about Joshua you spent like a few days in Canada with him. Uh, yeah. You, you kind of know what he, he's gone through this off season. Um, after the game, he, he was so happy. I, you could tell. I think he was happy for for himself, obviously, but I, I think he was happy in that he could show Keenan what he did right uh, on his own and, and help this team win a ball game. There is a. One of the best parts I think of, of our jobs is getting to know these guys. And one of my favorite things that I do here is that homecoming series where we go to a player's college or high school or hometown or home country in the case of Joshua Palmer when we went to Canada. And um, I'm going to start here and then I'm going to circle back to the Keenan thing at the end because he has this drive to be great. And it has been something that has been said in him since he was a teenager, because at 15, he made a decision to leave Canada to come to the U.S. to better his future football career. He bet on himself. And I think when you kind of stop and take a step back and you think how many of us at, at 15 or how many 15-year-olds do we know have that much self-confidence and self-assurance in themselves that they know, hey, I got to make this move. I have to uproot my life. I have to change, you know, basically uproot myself with my family in order to make this better for me. Um, and it worked out. And I think yeah. going back to Canada with him for the few days. We spent a lot of time together and visiting his Canadian high school that he was at and talking to his coaches. They all knew, they all knew that he was sort of destined for something bigger. And when it came to transferring, none of them was really surprised in terms of the fact that he had to leave St. Rock up in, um, outside of Brampton, I think, in order to to eventually transfer to St. Thomas Aquinas. We know the story. His first rep comes against Asante. They end up being drafted to the same team together. Um, but he just has this, this drive to be great because he has treated football like a job since he was a teenager. 
and he attacks it. We've seen him after practice, whether it's camp or during the regular season, he will stay after and just grind and go through his like post-practice routine because he just cares so much. I remember talking to Chris Beatty, the Chargers wide receivers coach after last year, after last season, and he said sometimes we have to tell him, hey, it's okay, like rein it in a little bit. It's okay. Like it's <laughs> it's just, you know, week 10, like it's fine. Um, but the same thing happened in camp. I, I go to sit down with him for an interview, and he is the last guy out there on that field. And circling back to Keenan, he has been in, I use this term in the best possible way, obsessed with studying film of him this offseason. And he's openly talked about it. And he's openly talked about being in Keenan's ear and asking him questions about plays from, you know, 10 years ago that Keenan had during his rookie year. And you saw it yesterday and, and you saw him step up and specifically at the end, like you mentioned it, that final 22-yard uh, gain in order to set up the game winner, game winner winning field goal, excuse me. There is just sort of this like proud moment that he needed to be the guy and he was the guy. And I think we talked in the locker room on Friday about the Giants game last year when Keenan was out because of COVID and how that game was sort of a bit of like a coming out party for him and a bit of mm -hmm. a, a confidence booster. And he told me, I don't really look at that game, but I do look at it from a confidence perspective, that it gave me the confidence to know that I can play in this league. And he is such an easy guy to root for. And I just thought like the, the Keenan stuff at the end was just so sweet. And like I said, he is just, and we know, cause we've heard him talk about it, been studying and watching film and doing all this. And as I mentioned, he needed to step up and he did. And it was just, it was so great to see in that moment. It really was. And that's, <clears throat> it's great context to just give everybody a snapshot into how much these guys care and you know yeah. when you're called upon you know like on saturday um he he I, I talked to him before we got on the plane and he praised keenan and mike for getting him ready for for you know coach coach lombardi and coach Staley and coach Bate getting him ready but he also said exactly what you said haley he's been preparing for this his entire life and it was just i think it was such a joy like uh deandre carter uh, kind of photobombed him. Uh, Larry Rauchy at the end of the game on, on the field said, "He is him. He is him." <laughs> so it, it was fun. To, it was fun to just see uh, all that hard work pay off, if only for a day. And we'll know that you know he'll keep it going, um, and he'll have to against San Francisco and Kansas yeah. City, Eric. And you know, I, I guess we can we can kind of pivot to just Eric, your thoughts in this game and and, and what you saw. The first quarters have been not good for the Chargers uh, these last four weeks, but the second quarters have been excellent. It's 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 kind of a weird thing where they they, they start slow, they kind of get their footing in the second quarter, and then who knows what happens in the second half. Yeah, what's weird? So that's like four four games in a row now. If we go back to Cleveland, where the first quarter had just been awful for the Chargers. Um, I think you posted it. I think it's what fifty-one to three in the last four quarters. The Chargers have been outscored. I Honestly, I can't believe it's fifty-one to three. Yet they've won three, three of those games. Yeah, right. yeah. That's why. Like on one hand, right? Like you have to give the the Chargers credit for coming back from that because like they've certainly shown you know poise and toughness and and doing that, but. On the other hand, at some point, you're going to have to get a lead early at some point because it's going to burn you, you know, down the road. There, there are going to be teams that aren't going to let you come back 
from being down ten nothing or fourteen nothing. Um, you know, and I I actually you know was part of a media scrum that asked Drew Tranquil yesterday about that, and he was like, "Oh, ten nothing. We we like that. You know, we we kind of like the challenge." He, he said it jokingly, obviously, but um, he said it kind of. He he couldn't really pinpoint why why it is of of why they're not starting strong in the first quarter. He said it's not because we're not ready to play. Like he said, the team is ready to go. You know, from the opening kickoff, um, he just kind of Drew said it's it's almost something different every week. Um, you know, and I I haven't looked at it that deep. You know, I just kind of look at the overall big picture. I know yesterday it was that 44-yard run on the opening drive that really just kind of got the Chargers kind of hit in the mouth right away. Um, yeah. But to their credit, they responded. Um, I think my overall takeaway is that the team is finding ways to win right now when so many guys are banged up, and, and that needs to be commended. Um, because I, I know people are frustrated. I'll, I'll say that. fans, Even with the win, fans are, are still very frustrated because – with the high expectations of the team coming into the year, fans kind of expect them to win every game right now. <laughs> I guess they, they did entering the year, and that's fine. But that's, that's, not, that's not how the NFL works. I think I know that, and, and you two know that for as long as we've been around. But the Chargers are 5-3. and three. Like that, That's a solid record through eight games, considering who they, they've lost. And they're not 2-6, and six, right? Like This could easily have gone off the rails after week two. Or week three, especially week three, that Jacksonville game, it could have easily gone off the rails, you know. And, and but they're finding ways to win. I think that we need to give them some credit for that. Um, is it pretty? No. But what team is winning pretty right now? Like, I can't really. Th- other than Philly, and Philly had to kind of grind it out against Houston the other night. Like, no one like double digit wins are just hard to come by. I know we all want them. I feel like we say it every week on this podcast. But just find a way to win. Be happy with it and move on to the next week because it's going to be tough again next week in San Francisco. Haley, I'll pivot to you. I'll think you'll agree with this. I I think last year they were winning a different way, right? Mm -hmm. They they were winning pretty through the air, high-scoring games, uh, coming back late, scoring 30 and 40 points. Um, They've had so many injuries this year, and uh, to, to Eric's point, the entire NFL is weird. Like when you when you see that Bucks Rams game and you think Tom Brady and Mike Evans and Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford high flying offense defending Super Bowl champs, that was one of the worst offensive games of the week, you know. And and, and this is this has been a, a, a theme throughout this 2022 NFL season where there's not a lot of pretty football being played. So five and three, I, I think most Chargers fans, if you look at this schedule, you take it. But I think it's the way that they're winning that I think may be a little bit jarring to fans because they're not accustomed to seeing the offense play this way, even with all these guys being out. Yeah, I think um, I think sometimes we, when we look at this current four-game stretch that they've been on these last four games, you have the Cleveland game, which has the infamous fourth down call where the Browns missed the field goal and you go, Ooh, okay, we escaped with, a win there. You have the Denver game, which was just nuts. Ugly. 
ugly <laughs> in every which way. And again, shout out to to Dean Leonard and and uh, Jasir at the end there for for making a, the biggest heads up play that you possibly could make in order to because again we were I was expecting a tie in that one. Um, and then you have yesterday, and but I, I will say this, and and Jim Trotter wrote a great article for NFL.com about the misfortunes that have plagued the Chargers over the years in sort of the final drives. And, and Chris, you and I have been doing this podcast for a few years now, and, and in recent history, it's those kind of ghosts have come back to haunt them as well. Yeah. Um, and yesterday felt different. And I will say, I almost had that kind of confidence that when the offense got the ball back with like four, a little over four minutes to go, I felt like, this is a good position. I think they can go down the field and, and make it happen, even despite not having Mike, not having Keenan. Justin looked a lot more like himself yesterday, and I think they talked about that after the game. He started to sort of look more like the Justin Herbert pre-rib cartilage that we're used to seeing. Um, but it's, it is the way. And, you know, I, I go back to the Seattle game a couple weeks ago where we're debriefing on this podcast and – I said I was going to ask Brandon Steely, what is the identity of this team? Because I just don't know what it is. And I asked him on that presser, and he said, we're a work in progress. And I think at week seven, eight at that time, that's not what you want to hear as a fan. Because you want to know, like, hey, we're this power run team, or we're this, you know, throw it down the field type of team, or we're this tough, rugged defense team. And that is a phrase that they use a lot. But um, I think when you count and take into account all the different players that have been missing, that have been having to come back, having gone out. You know, they lose Austin Johnson and Trey Pipkins for periods of time yesterday. They are kind of a work in progress, and they've had to sort of, like, figure it out on the fly. And to me, you want to be on the winning side of figuring it out. Not every game is going to go your way. You know, I think when you look in these holes, and, and Eric, you were mentioning it, sometimes it is too hard to come back. And I think we saw that in Seattle a bit. Like, they tried yeah. to kind of surmount and come back, and then it, it just got away from them. But if you're a work in progress and you're figuring it out, you're figuring out wins right now. You're figuring out how to win. And this is a game that I think going into it, they should have beat the Falcons. And it came close at the end. And then the double fumble happened. And that was just bananas on top of you mentioned the Austin touchdown, no touchdown. That was also bananas. Um, but to me, it is a different type of way. And I think the fan, I think fans are just sort of, having to we're all sort of having to learn that right because you know also I'm going to go back to this offseason we talk about football 101 last year and now it's football 202 but we're not really seeing sort of the evolution of what you know last year was to what it could be this year given the fact that there are so many guys out guys have been injured Herbert himself has dealt with an injury throughout the year but you're finding alternative ways and it's good to be on the winning side of those, right? Like, that's what you want. You want to come out of here, and we want to do this podcast and talk about the wins. And this is one of those games that it wasn't pretty, but we're doing it today. Absolutely. Eric, uh, one other thing that Palmer said after the game is that, you know, he had he had a drop that led to an interception. Gerald Everett had a big drop to start the second half. Uh, but he talked about resiliency and being able to bounce back and not, you know, basically letting that get, the team down and they've, they've been really resilient I, I will say that I think this has been a really resilient bunch um, I wrote down at like four plays and I'm going to give Eric the choice he can talk about whatever play he wants to talk about right, right. The, the 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 Khalil Mack 
bully ball, ripping it out of Drake London's hands. The Austin Eckler touchdown that wasn't a touchdown. Um, the the Derwin James like monster sack on Marcus Mariota that I think like woke up everybody. Um, and then the double fumble. All right, this is like Jeopardy. You 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 pick what you want to talk about, Eric. It's All like right. uh, and then and then Haley, you can take you can take the next pick. <laughs> A little draft, I like it. Uh, yeah, I'll go uh, the clear number one pick here. Five star prospect, the double fumble. Um, <laughs> that was because, crazy because you're you're we might never see that again. I mean, if we do, it's going to be a long time. Um, Man, where to start? The gambit of emotions, right? Yeah. The gambit of emotions from fans watching this going, oh, my God, Austin fumbled to, oh, my God, the, the Falcons fumbled to, did we re- did we recover it? Was it a fumble in the first place? There was, yeah. like, confusion. Was it a first down? Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, it was, it was wild. It was wild. Um, so I think the play happens, right? And, you, and your initial thought is you think Austin is down. And you think, okay, well, even if, even if this guy, you know, this Falcon, Falcon guy is returning the fumble, in my head, I'm like, okay, I think he was down. But then I'm like, well, if he wasn't, like, you know, he's getting close to midfield. Like, there's only 45 seconds left, like, field goal range for Atlanta. But then the dude just drops the ball. Like, n- nobody, nobody touched him. Drew tried to give credit to Trey McKitty yesterday about how Trey knocked it loose, and I said, no, like – the dude just dropped it. Drew said he, but and to his credit, Drew said the guy looked like he had never carried a football in his life, which he, he probably, probably has. He probably yeah. has. So then he drops it, and then Matt Filer, bless him for hustling, falls on it. And so then I'm like, okay, it's either our ball where Filer had has it, or it's our ball back where Austin would have been ruled down. So I'm like, okay, we're fine. We're fine. Even even if they're, like, reviewing it, either way, it's our ball. It's just the difference of is it fourth and one? Because I think Austin would have been a little bit short. Um, is it fourth and one and we got to try a field goal? Or are we back at the 43 with whatever it was, like 30 seconds left? Um, so either way, I, I felt good about it. For the craziness that happened, I felt fine because it was going to be our ball regardless. It's just a difference of, what, like 20, 25 yards? And then when Justin hit Palmer for 22 yards and gets us literally right back where we were, I thought, fine, you know, run well, it for in a weird, yards. In a weird way, it was like the best case scenario because you chew all the clock up at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And you make Atlanta use their final timeout. Uh, Palmer got out of bounds. Austin runs. Atlanta final timeout. Run it down. Kick, or what, what, no, they didn't call it. Anyway, you kick, kick, kick the, the game-winning field goal. Uh, game over. Um, yeah, that was like the lead of my five takeaway. That was like definitely the buzz um, in the locker room after the game uh, with Coach Daly's press conference. Like it just, I had people texting me like, "What the hell's going on?" Like, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, that's an easy, easy number one pick. The uh, double fumble. You know, it may have been an easy number one pick, but there was still so much craziness, Haley. That I don't, I don't know where you're gonna go. Yeah. Gonna go to the, the the Khalil Mack uh, strip that I always compared to like a, I like it to like college basketball where you're like trying to rip the ball out of hands and it's like a jump ball and and then like it gets physical at the end and then like the one guy just rips it out of your yeah. hands you know that's kind of what Khalil did <laughs> and, and that is that is where I'm gonna go and I preface it by saying it didn't turn into anything right because a couple plays later Atlanta gets the ball back off an interception but um we're talking about this before 
the podcast and before we started taping it and a similar thing happened we mentioned in a, in a Vikings Bears game just a few weeks ago and I remember watching the highlights and going I didn't know you could just do that I didn't know that <laughs> like the play wasn't necessarily blown dead you know you think of like when a running back sort of like going 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 and then they just like push it you know blow it dead as he's being pushed forward and all of that but um that was, as Brandon Staley said, that's why you go and you get Khalil Mack. That is why you make the move and you go and get a guy like that. And that is the ultimate difference between a nine-year veteran in this league and a rookie in this league. Like, if you just want to talk about the idyllic sort of version of what uh, years in this league look like accrued on a field, it's that. Because he literally went over and said, thanks, this is mine, and I'm going to go. See ya. Goodbye. Um, and it was just like, I remember I, my husband was with me, and he was getting ready to go to work, and he looks at the TV, and he goes, oh, my God, like, they have to win now. Because how do you not after <laughs> sort of like a momentum kind of changer like that? Yeah. Um, and it really did, you know, again, it sucks because a couple plays later, Elena got it right back. And they ended up um, scoring a touchdown off of that uh, off that turnover eventually, but in the moment it was just so freaking cool, <laughs> and that's the only way I can kind of describe it. And I think um, as we have also gotten to know Khalil Mack, and when he was first traded to the Chargers, and I was reaching out to counterparts on the Raiders and on the Bears, you know, what is he like? Just to kind of you know figure out how to how to get to know him, they all said he is so quiet, he is smooth, he is just kind of like the coolest dude because he just sort of keeps it like at an even level. And we've you know seen him in press conferences and have gotten to know him. And I would think we would all sit on this call and and on this podcast and say that that is the case. But he freaking turns it on on that field, and it goes back. I go back to that press conference during camp where he's like, "Yeah, you want to know how hungry I am? I'll show you." I'll show yeah, you. And I'm he showed it yeah. yesterday on that play. Drake, Drake London found out how hungry Khalil's uh -huh. been yeah. this season. Uh, yeah. The the, uh, the Austin Eckler touchdown that was not a touchdown. Um, I, I almost – I put it in the same category as the Khalil Mack thing because there were legit two to three seconds after the play happens where you're wondering what just happened, right? Like everyone stops and Austin keeps running. And, you know, the replay was really, really close uh, in terms of the elbow going down. I, I guess they got it right. But, um, Eric, I thought that that was a touchdown based off, like, the, the very first replay and just the heads-up play by Austin. And, you know, he, he did have that fumble, but Austin played a heck of a game. Um, you know, it, it was going to be hard to, to outrush Atlanta and you know the charges didn't come close but Austin's such a threat in both uh, the running game and the passing game yeah so he had a, a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown yesterday I think that's his fourth time he's done that this year 10th in his career so he is he's turned it on like he he had a slow start to the, to the year um and yeah he's up to what's he up to 10 touchdowns in the last five games I think Mm -hmm. um, good. Yeah, something like that. He, he, he's red hot. Um, but, you know, he was actually like, he took an interesting approach in the locker room yesterday. He was really, he was pretty bummed out, honestly, after the game. He was happy that we won, for sure. But he knows that that fumble could have cost him the game. If, if, because it was ruled a fumble, and if the Falcon guy doesn't fumble, 
who to say Atlanta can't get in position and kick the field goal? And, and he knows that. And he was pretty, pretty like downtrodden, honestly, you know, and was pretty hard on himself. Um, you know, I thought he would maybe be joking around about the play or like, you know, happy to get the win. And he was happy, but like, yeah, his, he was pretty bummed. Um, but I kind of like that because I, I like that accountability from, from a captain and a leader. You know, he wasn't just like, oh, you know, we got the win. Let's just, like, move on. Like, he, he holds himself accountable. He holds his teammates accountable. Um, yeah, he really turned it on. I, I thought he was – I thought it was a touchdown, um, you know, because technically his knee never did hit, did hit the ground. Um, his elbow, I guess, technically did. Um, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty bang, bang play. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought the run game overall was, was solid. Like other than the Cleveland, the Cleveland game where, you know, we ran for 200 yards that, that can't be the expectation for this run defense, for this run offense. Um, you know, try to get to a hundred yards, try to keep it balanced and kind of go from there. Yeah. Finally, before we get to, to San Francisco and Kansas city, Haley, I, I just want to talk about Derwin James. Uh, he said that the Drew Tranquil sack, the possession before, kind of got the, the mo- momentum in the Chargers' favor. But that sack on Mariota was lethal. Wow. <laughs> and and there's another play, and I'm sure Chargers fans remember this. He hit the rookie Tyson Algier, and he almost kind of like helicoptered, like Algier did. And it was just like he got up and, and played it off okay. It wasn't quite like the Travis Kelsey play in week two, but Derwin makes it apparent that he's there, right? And and I and I just I, I feel like his energy, and we say it every week, um, but his energy, the way he plays football, I think it keeps his teammates believing that they can win a game. I think it does, and I think. Um... I'm going to say this in like the most loving way possible. I think with all the players that have been missing this year and all the guys that we talk about getting injured, sometimes we forget that he's been healthy this entire season and he's certainly made an impact in games. And we, you know, he has had such a tough go in this league in terms of facing adversity and dealing with injuries and everything of that sort. But the fact that he is healthy, um, he has made these these plays like it almost does feel like at least one a week now that you just kind of they almost kind of take your breath away and you're like heck yeah that's why you know he was an all pro his rookie season that's why this team drafted him where they did that's why they gave him the extension that they did um you know just a few months ago and he does he in many many ways is the heart and soul of this defense and in many ways sometimes the heart and soul of the team and as we have gotten to know him, he's still very young, but there is a presence about him that absolutely gets guys on the train, gets guys on board. Because when we talk about players who care, Derwin James freaking cares. And oh, yeah. you are never going to see quit in that guy or a loss of fight in that guy because of who he is. And I think, um, you know, again, I think when you're dealing with someone who is now sort of healthy and, and kind of bringing this group along and sort of helping bring this group along, you know, it was interesting. 
Um, Sealy was asked on Friday about why he's not calling the defensive plays anymore. I believe that has now been passed over to Drew Tranquil. And Staley said, we really decided a couple weeks ago to try to help him help J.C. Jackson, like take some of the responsibility off Derwin in order to kind of guide J.C. along. Now, granted, we know there's no J.C. Jackson on the field anymore, but in a way, it sort of is like maybe he's kind of playing a little bit more free because he doesn't have the responsibilities, and it was dang good at it. That is not anything to take away from, from yeah. what he did last year, anything of that sort. But you're sort of seeing like a – you know, maybe it's just a more freer kind of vibe and sort of Derwin James to kind of go out there and, and make these plays and get these done. But um, he is just, he's another kind of one of those guys like a Palmer who is just, he works so hard. And for those of us who have been around him to know what he's gone through and seeing what he's gone through and all the adversity that he's faced, but to have him healthy out on the field, making the plays that he's making and like we said, bringing these guys along too in order to sort of be that rallying force, it's awesome. And he is awesome. And you definitely saw that yesterday. And they are going to need that as the season continues because, as you mentioned, it, there's a couple games now where this gets a little trickier than maybe what we sort of anticipated earlier in the year. No question about it. Let's take a quick break, and we'll get to San Francisco and then Kansas City in two weeks. All right, guys, so we've talked about it. The Chargers are 5-3, and three, and it's one thing, I think, to beat the Texans and the Browns and this Falcons team. Now it gets real. Uh, Sunday Night Football in San Francisco, coming off a bye. Uh, they appear to be getting healthy at the right time. Christian McCaffrey is now entrenched there and is a problem. He had three touchdowns against the Rams a couple of weeks ago, three different ways. Um, we'll get to Kansas City, too, in a couple of weeks because that's that could be a very pivotal game as well. But let's start with, with what's in front of the Chargers. Um, Eric, your thoughts on this 49ers team, a team you don't see. It's not like you see this team every year. Um, they have a really good defense. Uh, they got beat pretty soundly against the Chiefs a few weeks ago. Um, but at the same time, it, it seems like they're uh, they're starting to figure things out. Yeah, they also got beat pretty soundly by this Atlanta team about a month or so ago. Um, but I think similar to us, they've they've been pretty banged up too. You know, they, they've had some injuries, um, but th- but they have plenty of talent. I mean, McCaffrey coming in, that that run game and that that run scheme. So you, you said you're not really familiar with them. I I kind of have more a better idea, I guess, b- being from the NFC in recent years, um, and like the Shanahan. Kubiak system and all that. That's kind of what the yeah. Vikings ran in recent years. Um, when it's on, it's really tough to defend. And Kyle Shanahan does a great job with motions and and uh, trickery, I guess. Um, like, I guarantee you this week we, we will hear Chargers defenders talk about their eyes and how they have to be sound with their eyes because the 49ers are going to run all sorts of motion and stuff to try to confuse them at the line. So yeah, I have two. I have two things for this game. One, stop the run game, because that's the story every week for the Chargers defense. That is always going to be their number one priority, um, especially against kind of a, a potent 49ers attack. That you know they have a pretty good offensive line. They have a good scheme. They, they have a lot of talent with with McCaffrey. Um, and two, yeah, just the defense. Um, they have a lot of of talent on that defense, especially that defensive line. Obviously, we know Nick Bosa's over there. Um, 
how how can the Chargers offensive line hold up? Um, and I think Haley might have mentioned Trey. So Trey Pipkin, it didn't look good yesterday in the fourth quarter. You know, he looks like he kind of maybe re reaggravated his knee injury. Um, you know, if Dorian Norton's got to start, you know, sort of patch it together and, and do the best you can. But um, yeah, two things for me: how how pretty much the trenches, really. How can the Chargers stop the run, and how can their how can our O line hold up against a pretty good char- uh, San Francisco front seven? Yeah, Haley, we know all about this Shanahan running scheme, and you know who else knows about it is is Anthony Lynn, who's the assistant yep. head coach and running backs coach who. Now has Christian McCaffrey as one of his players. And, you know, uh, Coach Lynn played under Mike Shanahan, and he knows that thing like the back of his hand. Um, This will be a challenge, you know, and I think maybe in in some ways playing Cleveland, who has some of those influences, and, and, you know, Atlanta Atlanta and Arthur Smith and the way they do things with the quarterback is a little bit different than what they do with Jimmy G in San Mm -hmm. Francisco, but – Stopping McCaffrey, as Eric said, um, and Debo, frankly, um, that that's going to be priority one and one A. Yeah, and I think Debo missed that game against the Rams. The Niners are coming off a bye, and I think it was a hamstring, and Lord knows we never know how long those are going to take. But <laughs> I think regardless with the fact that they beat the Rams 31-14 a couple weeks ago without him, doesn't matter because – McCaffrey stepped in seamlessly at the triple crown game, which I think the last guy to do it was LaDainian Tomlinson to throw pretty cool. catch and, uh, and rush for, for touchdowns. Um, you know, I, I stuck on Sunday night football after the game just to see Chris Collinsworth and uh, Mike Tirico talk about this game. And that was all they talked about. <laughs> all they talked about was the chargers need to stop the run because they haven't done a great job of it. And oh, by the way, all they're going to see are runs next week with this Niners team. And so that is just obviously top of mind. I mean, they gave up 201 to the Falcons yesterday, and you have to grind it out. And I think this is going to be kind of one of those grind-out games. I think they are, I saw this morning, like a seven-point underdog at this point. And yeah, they're even touchdown though they're five underdog. And- yeah, even though they're five and three and the Niners are four and four, it's in their place, it's prime time and all of that. Um, I think you are right though that that these teams are kind of figuring things out at the right way. Look, the Niners had a quarterback change they didn't anticipate. Jimmy G was not supposed to be their guy at the beginning of the year. Um, and so I just think that kind of when you factor all of that, it'll be a really interesting game. The Anthony Lynn caveat is very interesting to me as well. But um, but you. Need- oh, Haley, I forgot to mention this in my question. I want you to talk about this too. Uh, yeah, it's possible Jason Verrett could be back. I think his IR window opened up, and he could make his his season debut against the Chargers. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, yeah. wouldn't that be incredible? And I'm going to talk about one more guy that doesn't have a Chargers connection, but has a San Diego connection with me, and that's Fred Warner, who I covered when he was in high school at Mission Hills in San yeah. Marcos, and um. He is by far the most successful like high school football player when when I was briefly covering college recruiting and all of that that I covered and has gone on by far the most successful. Royce Freeman for a minute caught some fire, but it was definitely him. Um, but you think of Nick Bosa, you think of Fred Warner, you think of these guys that are just going to get after it defensively, um, and it's going to be it's going to be kind of a I think it's kind of going to be a tough game. I don't anticipate, again, maybe like a super high-scoring game. I think they're going to really have to crack, you know, sort of clamp down and crack down and and really sort of just 
be sound in what it is that they do because um, the NFC West with the Niners and well, I mean, the Seahawks are, are leading that right now, but you look at the NFC West as a whole, the, the Niners are in second place right now in four and four. And I don't think, again, I've said this about a few teams that the Chargers have faced this year. They're a team that's not going to just sort of lay down and mm-hmm. call it at week nine. Like, they made it to the NFC Championship game last year, nearly made it to the Super Bowl. They want, you know, they have high aspirations. So I think it's going to be fun. Primetime, another primetime game. We get a Sunday night game um, yep. with that crew. So uh, looking forward to it. But again, I just thought it was so funny watching the end of, of Sunday night football, and that's all they did was talk about the run game and just you got to crack down. You need and, I, and look, I don't know. And again, in week, uh, what is it going to be, 10? you know, how you sort of dig deep, but you got to, and you got to find a way. Yeah, you do. Uh, you know, it, independent of the run game, Eric, the, the Niners did practice with the Chargers last year, and one of the best reps I think I've ever seen on a practice field was <laughs> was George Kittle and Derwin James. Haley, I'm sure you remember. Like, yeah. I, I think Kittle got one on Derwin to start the scrimmage, and I think Derwin ended it picking off Jimmy G., uh, who, who was throwing the ball to Kittle. And it was just, man, it, was, it, it just was like, man, this is all pro on all pro. And, and that's another guy. Like, I knew the Chargers had to stop that Falcons running game. They didn't do a, a great job of it. They found a way to win. But I was like, you know what? You can't, also, you can't forget about Kyle Pitts. And Kyle Pitts didn't do much, but you can't forget about George Kittle. And, and Derwin James, yeah, he, he's going to have to be on his P's and Q's in terms of stopping the run and Debo. But, but George Kittle... He's a player, too, and if he gets loose, that could be a problem for the Chargers. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, I, so I wasn't here last year for that joint practice, but I heard about it. I heard about it when I got here, how uh, the, the Derwin-Kittle matchup was just like a legendary thing. Um, we'll, we'll have to ask Derwin about it this week. I'm sure he'll have yeah. fun stuff to say about it. Um, yeah, because he, you know, Debo can do it, you know, run or pass, um, and the Niners also have uh, Brandon Ayuk, as well on the outside, but yeah, Kittle, Kittle's a threat, especially for Jimmy G, right? Who doesn't, you know, throw the ball 40, 50 yards down the field all the time. So yeah, where where Derwin's lined up and and who he's up against this week is going to be pretty pretty fascinating to watch. Um, you know, they're going to kind of need him up in the box to stop the run, but he's going to have to maybe ha- have you know one or one or two eyes on Kittle as well to kind of try to slow him down. Haley, let's just briefly touch on the Chiefs in two weeks because, you know, you got the Niners first. That's Why not? A, that's a problem in and of itself. But uh, the, the Chiefs have the Jags this week, um, and then they come to SoFi Stadium in a couple of weeks. So really just maybe encapsulating this two-game stretch, how important this is. You have um, two teams who went to the AFC Championship. This past, or a- AFC and NFC Championship um, in back-to-back weeks. Uh, I think I said that right. NFC mm-hmm. Championship for the Niners and then AFC Championship for the Chiefs. So, I mean, this is a huge test for this Chargers team. You're 5-3. and three. Um, If you could somehow get one, maybe two, th- th- then we're talking about something completely different now. But, but I think this is something that Chargers fans want to see. They want to see this team beat a really good high-end team and you have an opportunity in each of these next two weeks. Yeah, you absolutely do. And I think um, the way that that Sunday night game between the Titans and the Chiefs was sort of trending 
on Sunday, it, it almost fell at times like the Titans very much controlled a lot of that game and went into it just playing the Chiefs really, really tough. And there were people going, uh-oh, the Chiefs and Chargers are going to be tied at, at five and three at the end of this, right? Of course not. Um, Andrew Mason, who covers the Broncos, had tweeted, the outcome just feels inevitable, like a high tide or sunset. You know exactly what's when it's coming. Uh-huh. Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, so let's look ahead really quick. Uh the Chargers play the Niners this week, and the Chiefs play the Jaguars. All right. Then you get to week 11, and the two teams play each other. I've thought that this matchup was so weird, and I know we talked about this at the beginning of the year, because this this is wrapped up in week 11, these two teams. It's not like last year where, what was it, week 15, 16? Yeah, yeah. Much later, later, towards the back end of the year. But in a way, has a very similar tenor because they were going into that game with very similar records. And honestly, if the Chargers ended up winning that game, we're talking about a different potential, you know, playoff push and, and possible AFC West title at the end of the 2021 season. Um, so the weird thing about it is that this gets wrapped up earlier this year in week 11, but if you could possibly split, or like you said, or eke out two wins over these next two, and then that way you split with the Chiefs, you are talking about something completely different, which to to call back to what Eric said earlier in this podcast, after week three against the Jags seemed improbable <laughs> with two losses and all the craziness and, and sort of doom and gloom that was happening. And I think that was kind of, you know, sort of what Brandon Staley's message was last week when he said he talked to the team. He's like, we're four and three. We still have, you know, so much out in front of us. We've got to mentally be able to do it when physically sometimes we're hampered, even though we still have to physically do it. But um, this is a great test. And then, of course, we'll, you know, skip further on down and you have, you know, the two back-to-back games in December of the Dolphins and the Titans, which that's another sort of just AFC nutso clash that's probably those are going to absolutely mean something. Um, but I think when you look at this this Chiefs thing, you know, could the Jags beat the Chiefs? Absolutely, because they beat the Chargers. But, you know, you're probably looking at the Chiefs going into that game at, what, 7-2? and two? What's my math seven here? 7-2. 7-2. Yeah. and two. Um, And you hope that you can beat the, um, excuse me, beat the Niners, and then you go in with, with two winning, you know, winning streets under your belt and kind of duke it out. But should be a good one. Do you think that gets flexed? Could that possibly get flexed maybe into Sunday night football? That's a it's big very game. very possible. Yeah. I, I was I was looking at that the, the schedule because it's I think Cowboys Vikings is also on CBS. That and I day. feel like that would be protected. It, it, I feel like they would want that. I would think maybe. so. But that's yeah. that's a development, right? To to keep your eye on this mm-hmm. week to see kind of what happens. Uh, if anything, with that game, Chiefs charges at SoFi. I feel like they play it. They play at night anyway. Every every game, every, every game's game. at night. Every game, the Chiefs, Chiefs are always home and they're always playing at night. Like I yeah. honestly, <laughs> yeah. I think the last time they didn't play at night at SoFi was the game where nobody was there, right? The, the oh the yeah, the, yeah, the Herbert debut. The Herbert debut, right? Mm-hmm. So man, that could that would be crazy. Would that be back to back Sunday night games for the Chargers? If, yeah, if that, that'd be if wild. That happened. Stay tuned. Watch this. Yeah, space. stay tuned. Stay tuned for that one. Um, I, I guess the questions that we couldn't answer on this podcast, you'll get from Brandon Staley later on Monday in terms of injuries. Um, the Austin Johnson thing did not look good. Um, Eric mentioned Trey Pipkins did not look good, and, and Storm went in there. Um, 
but not only those two guys, but just kind of what's going on with the guys who who remain out and what that's looking like. Um, mainly Keenan Allen. I, I think Mike. We're expecting maybe a, a couple more weeks until we see him. But uh, a lot to to learn from Coach Staley in his presser on Monday. But I think we covered it pretty good, guys. San Francisco Sunday night, a chance to get to six and three. I mean, based on all the injuries and everything that's happened through this first half, Eric, I mean, to get to six and three with the Chiefs on deck, man, I think I think Chargers fans would be pretty excited about that. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope so. I, I, I definitely hope they would. Um, yeah. Like I said, at one and two, some people thought the season was over, you know, j- just because of the rash of injuries that happened with Bosa and Slater and Herbert was banged up. You know, there were people on Twitter that were like talking about the draft at one Didn't and two, call it. you know, and yeah. it's like, come on, at least, at least give them a chance. And, and they've rallied, you know, they've rallied. They, they won one, three in a row. You know, they, oh, those they, people on Twitter. Those people on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they won what four? They're all gonna be verified soon. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, four or five. So, yeah, six and three would be great. It's not gonna be easy, but right now, nothing's easy for the Chargers. Yeah. Well said. All right, guys. Hey, always appreciate you listening or watching us on Mondays uh, for Haley Elwood and Eric Smith. I'm Chris Harey. This has been the Final Drive. Mm-hmm.